This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 139, about Jessica Jones, season 2, episode 2, aka Freak Accident. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to this episode of Defenders TV Podcast, episode 139, where we are looking at, aka Freak Accident, of season two of Jessica Jones. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. And rounding out the group, I'm the titular Chris Jones. I'm going to be using this going forward now. I'm the other titular Chris Jones. Yes. Jessica Jones, and then there's Chris Jones. I like it. I'm her, like, I'm her younger less attractive more annoying kind of non-superpowered cousin i like it I like that's it. not true chris that's not true <laughs> what the, 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 no well, all of those powered, things all of those things no it's not true but as we get into the guts of episode two of jessica jones um yes the plural of mongoose is mongooses but very rarely mongoose <laughs> so there we go I like it. If you're wondering what that's from, then you missed our first episode of uh, of Jessica Jones, where we discussed what could possibly be the plural of mongoose. Yeah, mongooses or mongoose. I think we got that right. It's very rarely mongoose, apparently. It's it's a very rare use of it, um, but it is there in use. So we did get both of those right as suggestions. So. Yes, and it is a cackle of mongoose as well. <laughs> that may also not be true, just like Chris being <laughs> Jessica Jones's cousin. <laughs> I do like the idea of a cackle of monkeys. <laughs> like, that is the worst way to die. How do you die? He was mauled to death by a cackle of monkeys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can't help but smile. It's like, oh, God, no. It's like when a cloud dies. You're like, oh, but at least he died doing what he loved. Making people smile. <laughs> but anyway, before I get myself into any more trouble, should we crack on, guys? Absolutely. We hope you've subscribed to the podcast to get all of our episodes for Jessica Jones. If you haven't, you can go over to our webpage at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Loads of subscribe links for all of the drunk and sober podcast catchers out there, including Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Uh, Loads of different options there for you. Just make sure you go over to the website and do that. While you're over there, you can also leave a voicemail for us with any of your thoughts on all 13 episodes of Jessica Jones or any of the episodes that you want to talk about. Uh, Just go to the side of the website, this little send voicemail button, click it, and you can send us 90 seconds of your thoughts about the episodes. Yes, don't be shy. Leave a voicemail. But if you don't want your voice coming across the airwaves, we can, as Chris said previously um, in our first podcast, we can read them out for you. Please head on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast and join in the discussion and the community over on our spoiler comment posts uh, where we can talk all things Jessica Jones from each of the episodes as we put up the spoiler posts. Mm-hmm. And we generally post these uh, spoilerific um, comment posts just before we record our podcast. So mm-hmm. please come on, head on over and get involved with all the other fellow defenders. Yes, but we also have a third option because we love things in three here. So you can also send us your email feedback to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Basically, just make sure that in the subject line you include the episode that you are giving us feedback on because we don't want to actually include anything potentially spoilery. And also, we don't want to spoil ourselves because 
we usually only watch and then record per episode. So we have no idea what's happening. Yes, and of course, we're not the only ones that like things in threes. Jerry certainly liked uh, a good threesome uh, (laughs) in this episode of Jessica Jones. Yes, let's get into our spoiler-filled discussion of Freak Accident. Yes. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Uh, Yep, this episode was written by Aida Masaka Corral. Uh, You may recognize her name back from Luke Cage. Season one, um, she she wrote two individual episodes for that season. She wrote uh, Blown at the Spot, which was episode eight of the season. And she wrote You Know My Steez, which was the season one finale. Um, Being trusted with the season one finale of a show like Luke Cage, where you've got such a central voice like Chio Dari Coker, who's guiding the show all the way through and being trusted with that final episode, obviously means you've got a good bit of talent and great to see her being brought back for this episode of Jessica Jones. The episode was directed by Minky Spira. First time in Marvel, but has worked with Netflix before on Better Call Saul. Uh, another UK director being brought over to the US because she's worked on Denton Abbey, I believe. I think this goes all the way back to Iron Man 3, which had Happy in bed watching Denton Abbey. I think the Marvel Universe has a lot of respect for Denton Abbey. Uh, but she has also worked on Skins as well and on Call the Midwife. So loads and loads of shows in the UK. Yeah, Skins is excellent. Mm-hmm. But let's not hold the fact that she did Denton Abbey against her because, she, as you said, she did Skins and Call the Midwife, which Absolutely. are pretty good shows. But more better than that, she came in and did this one. So, John, do you want to tell everyone what she gave us? Sure. Jessica Jones is on the trail of the people that experimented on her after the car accident that killed her parents. She traces Dr. Kazlov, but finds that he has recently died in a car accident and is told that Will Simpson is alive and dangerous. Trying to find a connection between the victims, Jessica goes to the wizard's apartment and finds out that he had been trying to contact Trish. Meanwhile, Trish is also trying to use her contacts to find out more about IGH. This leads her on a path to meet Will Simpson, who has been trying to protect her from a freak created by IGH. Before getting all of the details from him, Simpson is killed by a powerful high-jumping super who gets away. Gentlemen, do you want to start into our top five case notes? Mm -hmm. Big time. So, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, well... You've got one episode to, behind us, so you can go back and listen to that after this. But more importantly, how we record our podcast and we go through each episode is we take our combined top five points. For this show, we are going to call them our top five case notes, and we're going to discuss them in depth. And I really wanted to jump into this one. I kind of interrupted the rest of the boys because I want to get to this one first. Case note number one. Jessica starts investigating her past. Mm-hmm. As I said in our kind of last episode, I liked the, the, the way they left us hanging. The, the episode one was, the end of episode one was built in such a way that you wanted to binge into the second episode mm-hmm. to kind of, okay, what's going to happen next? Um, they, we had a lot of, a lot of questions. We're, we're, even though we're even left in this with a lot of questions in this episode, a lot of questions, but we got some kind of answered. And what we see is that Jessica meets. Ghost finds Kozlov, or should I say the the uh, the very stiff remains of Kozlov. Let's say recently deceased. I think. <laughs> okay, the recently deceased Kozlov. I like the way that they wrote and kind of directed this. They set it up that she was going in. There was two guys in suits walking down the side. You're like, oh, okay, bodyguards. She's gonna try and either punch them out or sneak in, and she gets. Close to the door, and then it's a funeral. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a play on trope. 
in that okay, yeah. she's not she, I thought okay, literally as she was crossing the the yard, as she I mm-hmm. expected she was gonna jump into the first floor balcony, kinda of slip in a window, pull apart as a thing, get caught and she runs away. Uh right. but no, we get this kind of very strange scene where you see what we know as Kozlov being a to a degree a kind of diabolical scientist with ideations of creating superhumans. Or IGHs. There you go. Surely no scientist has ever been evil before. <laughs> well, there is some interesting stuff in here. This is definitely Jessica's opinion is that he's an evil scientist, but yeah. she's being told by the people that she's meeting, some of the former Marines that he worked with. You hear them having a conversation when she arrives. I think Isaiah is the character that's in the wheelchair, uh, where he's saying not even my sergeant called me after the accident that happened when I was in war. It was only Dr. Kozlov that was taking care of me and only him that was involved in this. Um, we do see that photograph of Will Simpson with the rest of the team. So we know that Kozlov was involved. We do actually know that from season one, uh, but we know that he was involved in what happened to Will Simpson, where he got, where he got his powers from. Um, but it seems like the rest of the people at this funeral are looking at him as much more of a, nicer character someone that's been supportive of them someone that's been around to help them out whereas jessica's trying to get to the bottom of how she got created so she has a very different opinion and obviously because of being in the vicinity of will simpson going a bit mental and taking all those drugs in season one she has a very different experience with kozlov definitely it is kind of interesting i think that um you get this different side or viewpoint of of dr kozlov and Mm. and it's good because it you know it does force jessica to to stop and think i mean and i really like that because it 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 just undermines her certainty for that brief moment and i i think that it's such a nice little uh device for jessica you know increasingly kind of questioning what she's doing and i I really like that Mm -hmm. we also see jessica um yeah throw a disabled person over her shoulder as well (laughs) you're on the wheelchair now exactly (laughs) i know that was really harsh wasn't it it was very harsh i mean i was uh yeah, the, the Marine who's, who'd lost his legs and had been saved by Kozlov, uh, comes face to face with a very uncompromising Jessica Jones, yeah. who, um, really does pull no punches in terms of how she will interrogate absolutely anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, um, interesting to see that and obviously gets caught by, um, the grieving family and has to make, you know, a quick, sharp exit from, from the house. But she's in the office as well, trying to just really rummage around yeah. and, and get stuff to investigate Kozlov further. So really like this, uh, yeah, you, you think there's going to be some kind of little punch up between her and, and the bodyguards that were seen walking out. So it's just a nice little, opener for jessica jones really yeah it kind of it kind of felt like the setup to a, a sitcom in a way you know that moment where she thinks she's breaking in like she's in metal gear solid or something you know she's trying to be all stealthy and get in and use her powers to get inside and then she gets inside realizes she's at a jewish funeral which she clearly has no idea what's going on when they say they're about to start celebrating part of the jewish funeral service she goes, great, I'm really looking forward to it, you know, uh, no idea what they're talking about. So a nice little, little comedy moment, but it didn't feel like it, um, 
in season one when she's pretending to be the architect assistant that's a really interesting setup where she has to be a bit of an airhead and play a completely different character so that she can fit in with what's going on around her in here she's able to maneuver about and they kind of drop the sitcom premise uh very quickly after it's being set up at the start yeah well one if she was doing it metal gear solid style she'd be in a cardboard box but that's enough said. That's true. Um, Very true. The, the one bit I did want to kind of pull out on this is I have uh, something in my gut is telling me the guy in the wheelchair is more related to this overarching story than just being a bystander character. Um, right. Only because in this episode we see someone in a wheelchair and then someone jumping very high. Right. Both related most likely to someone who was performing experiments to gain superpowers. So maybe this guy has, is able to grow a second pair of legs or, you know, you know, it's just, this is, I, I would find that it funny. If that, that's how like, his secret identity, he has no legs. When he's like super powered up, he regrows them or puts on bionic legs or something crazy like that. Once again, fellow defenders, we do not watch ahead, as you can probably tell. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> but, okay, so we, we find two things uh, out of this. One, as I said, that Kozlov, what they consider him a, a nice person. They consider him a, a great person. But mm-hmm. also that Kozlov is dead from a mysterious accident, mm. question mark, quote unquote, bunny ears, whatever way you want to bracket it out. I, I, I like that the fact that potentially IGH are cleaning up uh, right. or uh, like they're, they're, they're setting fire, they're burning everything down. That includes Kozlov, <laughs> Simpson, everyone else in between. Uh, yeah. And that potentially yeah. could include Jessica. Um, so I thought yeah. this is an interesting... Oh, so and the wizard, of course. Yeah, but also just at this moment in time in, in the story, the Marine is pointing the finger at Simpson. So, you know, here all of a sudden, A, Jessica finds out that Simpson is still alive. You know, as far as her and Trish are concerned, he's kind of vanished into thin air, possibly yeah. dead. Uh, and secondly... um all of a sudden, maybe the death of Kozlov as well as Wizard is being attributed to uh, to Simpson. And as you say, Chris, um, I kind of, to some extent, agree that I'm expecting the the former Marine in the wheelchair to come back somehow because for him to like point the finger at Simpson just like that mm. is there a reason for it? You know, or does he feel he's on the line and he's going to get killed? Who knows? And it would be kind of interesting to see him come back in some way. Right. But it might just be as a dead body. (laughs) I feel like he's just setting up the fact that Kozlov is different from the way everybody's seeing him. Um, We'll talk about Will Simpson a bit later on, but he's not a very reliable narrator for the investigation that Jessica's going on. We know he took a lot of drugs and it changed his personality. We know he was affected quite considerably by by Kilgrave. So some of the things he says doesn't necessarily mean they're true. Um, I think Isaiah was just there to provide a different side of Kozlov. He's not the crazy scientist that's trying to do work on people, is what I think these scenes are trying to tell us. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we may see him back in future. It may just simply be that uh, as Jessica starts to rip apart Kozlov's life, she has to go and seek out Isaiah to get more information out of him, potentially. Um but I do like the idea that he also echoes Jessica's sentiments that this was not 
an accident. The car crash wasn't an accident. It, he instantly realizes this is something that is very odd that Kozlov would have died in this way. Yeah, and he's also very quick with the baton. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's just not even questions like whoosh, out. Yeah, as we know from the Punisher, former Marines, they're uh, they're pretty good at fighting. Yeah, yeah. From one potentially super powered person to and definitely super powered person, the Wizard. We finally get to see inside the Wizard's apartment. Uh, uh-huh. Jessica yes. investigates. She pulls apart his life through his bag, finds where he lives, goes there, and we finally meet the one and only Mongoose. <laughs> yes. Yes, so he does have his mongoose at home. And yeah. Chris, interesting one for you. A little, uh, little early note for you. Um, it, you were talking about the comic book creation of the wizard, uh, and that his father Emil was the one that, uh, that gave him the superpowers by, uh, by merging the mongoose with the snake, uh, venom to cure him. That character in the comic book's name was Emil, and the mongoose in this episode is called Emil. So his, his, his mongoose is called Emil. So he's either named him after his father or the writer is more likely named the, uh, named the mongoose after his father just to give that little connection to the comic books. Just thought it's a nice little note. Thank you very yeah. much. Well, good spot. Um, I, I really enjoyed this one because that's not the only Easter egg we got. In, in mm-hmm. the scene, Jessica's in the apartment. The cops are coming. She finds the laptop, um, mm-hmm. and finds recorded messages from the wizard himself. He's talking to the camera as if talking to someone. We later find yeah. out it's Trish. But I love this second Easter egg, which is with great power comes great mental illness. <laughs> it should be with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. With great power comes great mental illness should be the tagline for Jessica Jones season two and season one, I think. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It was really good. And I, I enjoyed this, this nice back and forth. We, the, how they expand on his origin story. Saying Absolutely. how he had the injury on his 18th and then he got experimented on. Um, and that's yeah. how he woke up and he was able to whiz. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was really pleased we got to peek inside Wizard's apartment and I, I really kind of liked how they, they played the mongoose, uh, in for horror comedy laughs. Uh, I love, you know, you just heard something scuttling around and you were kind of going, Okay, what's that? Is the person that killed Wizard in his apartment? Mm-hmm. Jessica's kind of taking it fairly cautiously, and then there's all the 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 pipes around the room, um, and, and the kind of the the mongoose wheel or whatever to allow him to run. So I I like that they played that up for laughs as well. So it was really good. I I really enjoyed seeing the Wizard uh, in the first episode. So it was just nice to keep him in the season for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, so definitely RIP wizard. Absolutely. And once again, when I say, I guess we won't see a character again, they find a way to put them back into the next episode. <laughs> um, but there is another character going on an investigation. Uh, onto case note number two, uh, Trish's IGH investigation, a kind of a different uh, tack is being taken by Trish here. We get to see Dorothy again, her mother. Uh, quite cool to see Rebecca de Mornay back in, yeah. in these episodes. Yeah, I mean, she just plays it so nicely, you know, the really <laughs> overbearing mother um, that just doesn't get her daughter and doesn't get her daughter's stepsister, you know, mm-hmm. in Jessica Jones. And um, I just really enjoyed seeing this fairly obnoxious character back 
on the screen going for lunch with Trish as she's trying to use her previous um, contacts through Maximilian Tantum, the Harvey Weinstein of the Jessica Jones world, um, to try and get additional information about Jessica's sort of missing 20 days that she had found in, in the case file. So mm-hmm. really, um, you know, she is going to extreme lengths here to try and investigate Jessica's experience and the events that happened at IGH. And I just thought that was really interesting, just how Trish, you know, puts herself emotionally on on the line. And I mean, that whole scene in his trailer where she's getting Malcolm to film it as well uh, was just like absolutely harrowing, I thought. And I mean, you know, he, he really just went completely... Um, after her as well as soon as she was asking him to to provide this otherwise you know she would effectively spill the beans on what happened mm-hmm. so a, a really interesting sort of uh note for uh yeah i suppose what's been going on in in the film industry in general uh you know it's kind of a an interesting little parallel here just brought into to jessica jones which I thought was uh was really good and i suppose you know the cherry on top of this is when you know, Malcolm, after recording his confession and, and getting the information as Trish asked, you know, then confronts uh, Maximilian in in the car park uh, and decides to give him a, a good old right hook. And I have to say, I really, really enjoyed the smile of satisfaction that Malcolm had on his face. I was kind of going, yeah, well done, Malcolm. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been with someone as much who's given someone a punch in the face. To quote Guardians of the Galaxy, this guy is an a-hole. Um, he does yep. instantly push back at Trish when she's trying to first off get his help. And when she, when she doesn't get his help, she's effectively has to resort to going to him. Effectively, I was a 15 year old child. I was put in your bed because my mother whored me out to get a job, basically. Um, so. Just to obviously put it out there, this episode, all of these episodes were finished filming in 2017. The episodes were written in 2016 uh, after Jessica Jones season one had obviously been completely released. Um, the reason they were put on hold was because of the Defenders. So these episodes have been written quite a long time ago. So it is quite timely, obviously, in the news now, obviously, with things like Harvey Weinstein going on. But this certainly wasn't written in the aftermath of Weinstein and, and filmed and put out there. This is this is something that was in the minds of the people that were involved in this show. And I know we know this now and know how, how longstanding a lot of these uh, issues and a lot of these things that have been going on in Hollywood have been going on. But it just is hitting at the right time, as we've as we've mentioned before. It, it seems like a really interesting conversation starter to have about what's been going on in the industry and I, I, I like that it's here it needed to be here and i like that there's a punch to the face of this a-hole when malcolm finds out what's happening it's interesting that it, that it was filmed then in 2017 because while i find this now as you said it's so timely and so relevant um i it it's interesting we were given some indication in season one of some nefarious dealings the mother had done in order to get Trish and push Trish into certain ways. That's why mm-hmm. Jessica's relationship with her is so bad. Uh, Jessica yeah, yeah. always. So I, well, in my head, while I was watching this, I, I made an assumption that this was probably a reshoot to re-highlight this issue. 
the fact that it's not is even better, I think, in my head then. Because then that means that this wasn't a, let's take something that's happening in the real world right now and bring it into this. It, it was more, no, let's highlight a, an issue. Similar, and this is where I kind of get onto my soapbox. We talked a lot about these real world allegories in Luke Cage, season mm-hmm, one. Yeah. We know that the showrunner of Luke Cage specifically put a lot of work into ensuring that these issues were highlighted. So I made an assumption that this was something similar. The fact that it's not, then, is even better, because what it truly means is that these potential writers and directors of Jessica Jones wanted to show something to the world before the the current situation had happened. Mm -hmm. The bit I disagree with, and even though I really enjoyed it, was the punch, because I feel the punch is going to cause more hassle than it's worth. Because you can, he can then say, someone attacked me, I was physically abused. Mm-hmm. Now, was it justified? Oh, yes. And was it, was it amazingly satisfactory? Yes, it was. But I think from a storyline perspective, the fact that Malcolm punched him could cause trouble in episode three or four when he's like, well, you sent some goon after me to beat me up in order to make me do what you wanted to do. That's from a storyline perspective, then it becomes murky. I, I thought it was it yeah. was a fantastic, well-written scene, well-directed for a potentially sensitive subject. And I think, weirdly, I think the punch is what makes me know for definite that this was written before the Me Too movement started, before the Harvey Weinstein uh, pieces came out in the news, and before the other stuff that came out in the news, because you wouldn't do that now. You would have this guy being taken out and beaten in the streets. You'd have him in prison for what he did, because they'd want to make this a bigger thing for Trisha's character. Effectively, she's going to him saying, if you don't give me the information, this inf- this is going to get out. I don't want it to come out. I've got my own successful career, and it could damage my career, but if you push me to it, I will release this information. She absolutely would have released the information if this was being written this year. That would be, that would be Trisha's character arc. If you wanted to specifically highlight that this is part of the Me Too movement, you would have her saying, you're going down for this. I'm coming out of hiding here and I'm going to do this and that'll be the end of your career. It wouldn't be just a simple matter of help me out here or this will happen. Okay. Yeah. That does make, that makes a lot of sense. I just think that uh, it's really interesting that throughout this season, I think we are going to get a lot more of these uh, these types of discussions. We're going to end up having a lot more of these discussions, similar to like what we had in Luke Cage. Just the, the, that based on season one, there was some very powerful PTSD discussions that we had to talk about. And I feel that they are not going to shy away from these types of topics, uh, especially like even as something as... Mm-hmm simple or as the the glassy absolutely right. uh, i mean Rightly simple so. as in that it's been discussed quite a lot in 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 across the, the the last few years we've already seen jerry talk about it in episode one and how that uh she was just good enough so i think that these things are going to continue and we're going to get a lot more of them throughout the, the season absolutely i mean i think the thing is um as well is I think with all this going on or whether Trish just simply doesn't answer mobile phones, you know, the, one of the other aspects of this whole investigation when she's at the, on, on the film set is that, you know, 
Jessica's trying to get hold of her because she knows that Simpson is out there uh, and that Simpson potentially is coming after her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's that real tension being built with Jessica trying to do that, as well as then her, her boyfriend Griffin also trying to get, get in contact with her as mm-hmm. well, knowing what she, um, is doing. So I think. And that builds quite nicely to towards um, the end of this episode, uh, for sure. Uh, I think I was kind of surprised how quickly her and Malcolm got separated here. Um, it's it's a little strange that they would go there together um, to do something and then just like not agree to meet up afterwards because Trish seems to be there walking around the the caravans on the film set on her own whilst Malcolm seemingly has just then focused on Maximilian to go and hit him. So Mm. there is that aspect here as well. But I do like the fact that in a sense, the whole thing with this Maximilian is so kind of traumatic for both of them to some extent Mm. um, that they kind of completely lose one another and really um, on, she's not answering her phone and You know, you you know that there's this jeopardy coming down the line. Well, certainly the the trauma for for Trish is evident in, in the oh, fact absolutely. that she's there till dark and she's crying in the corner about what happened. But I think when she arrived with Malcolm, doesn't she say something to him like, "And when you do this for me, we'll meet up later." And I don't oh, want to okay. talk about. I don't want to talk anything about this at all. I don't want to have any questions about it. Not going to have a conversation about it, basically. Um, but the fact that she's not answering phone calls also could answer that because he does leave the trailer after she does. So how would he get in contact with her if she's ignoring phone calls from Jess and from, um, her boyfriend Griffin? If she's, if she's going to answer a call, she's going to answer to one of them, not to Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. But I do know what you mean. But that, that does lead to that interesting conversation with Griffin and Jessica later on in the apartment when Griffin's looking into the information about IGH, looking into Trish's story. And then he basically realizes that he's the one that dared Trish to go off after the story and it's all his fault. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's a, a really interesting point. Again, another gold star for Griffin. Mm-hmm. Griffin door. But I think with that, on to case note number three. Jerry goes on an absolute bender. Mm. Yes, we have drugs. We have wine. We have more drugs. We have three prostitutes, um, you name it, Jerry is trying to forget whatever that doctor said to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really, really interesting. You know, it goes completely crazy. Um, she just wants to live free, die young kind of thing, yeah. really, to an extent. And uh, it's really interesting seeing just this, you know, craziness happened to jerry but at the same time you know it's sad um and sexy at the same time dare i say there's just that moment as she's dancing along to the music with the prostitutes in the room with her where they're kind of looking at her dancing and looking at her almost free she's almost got herself free of this idea it's it's just that i don't know it's that moment where we know as the audience what's happened and what she's gone through but there is this scene that feels it's it's tough to watch because we know how powerful and strong the character of Jerry is. So it's kind of tough to watch her go through this. Yet she's being very attractive to the girls that are entering the room. So um, that's kind of what I I would mean about the sad and sexy moment. No, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I I really thought that 
you know, at the same time as her sort of doing that slow dance, there's that tragedy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's really just, she's trying to feel something, I suppose, because whatever, uh, the doctor said to her is, has numbed her. Mm-hmm. And this is the way to, to, to do it is through, yeah, that kind of crazy drugs drink and rock and roll bender Mm -hmm. it was really i i don't know i found it interesting it's a different take than we've seen on uh of jerry um in terms of that she is in this scene completely Mm -hmm. vulnerable um you can see it in her to go from a wife to an affair to prostitutes and initially, it was just one. Yeah. Where the other two came from is even more interesting. Yeah, there is that interesting moment when, when Price comes over to her apartment, uh, who's been trying to reach her all day, this this guy that she had enlisted and is now want, want to sue Jessica. Um, he comes over to her apartment and knocks on her door and kind of goes, what are you doing with your life, effectively, to her? She closes the door, and when she's while she's closing the door, the three prostitutes sitting around the table with wine in hand talking to each other about their kids... And I'm wondering which one of those makes Jerry snap out of what she's doing. I don't know which one it is. As you say, Chris, she's gone from being a wife to having an affair with the girl in her office who she was telling she was going to get married to in the future. And here she is surrounded by prostitutes in a room. And the prostitutes are being are really making it very clear they're there for the money. They're absolutely there for the money. One of them is the girl who's supplying drugs to Jerry, effectively. Yep. So um, she's not the one that Jerry brought home. Effectively, this party seems like it's been going on for a, possibly a day or more. Um, Price says that she's called in sick and not come into the office. So is it that moment that Price comes over and says, what are you doing with yourself? Or is it her looking around and going, these three women that I've had in my apartment partying with for the last day, I'm just paying for them and they'll do basically whatever I want. How low have I sunk is kind of what it almost feels like. I just can't tell which one of the two it is. I, I got the sense this is how low I've sunk. I I am Jerry Hogarth. I am ball-busting, take no prisoners. I am the best lawyer in New York, well, in Hell's Mm -hmm. Kitchen. I took it as that. Uh, And it's like, okay, I'm done wallowing. And being caught by Price in the act as well. Yeah. You would assume that the character of Jerry would not like someone who she, to a degree, considers a subordinate. Mm -hmm. Knowing that she's just basically her missing time is basically where she's been coked out of her head with three prostitutes in her apartment. Like I, I, you can see that that probably also leads to this as well. I do like your point to get the price. You know, I was told that you're, you had called in sick to work today. So I've come over to your house and she's kind of going, why would you come over to my house? If I've called in into work sick, don't ever do that. If if anybody ever calls in sick, that's their sick day. Don't go over to their house, Price. It's a really stupid idea. I mean, so do um, we think that Price is trailing um, Jerry here as well? You know, he has this relationship with her that's linked to Jessica Jones, whether it's to yeah. take over Alias Investigations or now Sewer. Uh, but, you know, he's gone there because he's got a trailed. You know, he is like Jessica has said, there's always dirt on someone, so he's just covering his back. He is mm. in risk management. So it like it's interesting. Again, it's just another little question mark that is thrown up 
towards price really and what is he actually doing yeah what what's his his own motives here i didn't even think about that at all i know there was a couple of missed calls he's the one that keeps trying to phone her when she's having her breakdown in the road um so i knew there were those moments earlier on i worked in marketing for many years and i know people like him which is very much I want this question answered now and you're going to answer it. I don't care whether you're sick. I don't care whether you're not answering your phone. If you don't answer your phone, I'm coming around to your house and you're going to solve this problem for me now because I'm more important than you. It's what it feels like from this guy price. Um, even though she doesn't consider him, him anywhere on her level, he considers himself on her level. Oh, absolutely. That's what, it, that's what it feels like. I don't think it's that he's tracking her for any other reason other than he's demanding an answer from her regardless of her own personal issues and what she's going through and um, so i don't know as i said last episode it does feel like he's the corporate bad guy here in these in this season that's what he feels like but that may change as the rest of the episodes yeah hopefully yeah. there's more to him than that i think um because i'm quite liking that or, or maybe he's actually just yeah he is a good guy yeah but, yeah or his tats are too cool though to be a a good guy. Yeah, guy. maybe. <laughs> but going from Charlie to Oscar, um, our case <laughs> note for Oscar, the new neighbor, potentially new love interest, like we thought, and the police. But we, we see here, you know, the police coming to investigate the death of Wizard, uh, coming to, uh, Jessica's door because, um, sh- she was seen on, on the scene. You know, again, she's got a history with the cops here from Misty Knight back through to, um, season one of Jessica Jones as well, obviously with Kilgrave and, and the events that went down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's almost like they kind of know one another here that there's, that there's that kind of feeling, uh, going on when the two detectives are, arrive at her door. Um, but ultimately, Really, we again see a really frosty reception from Oscar when Jessica's there going, well, there is someone who can tell you exactly what happened because he saw me at the scene and that is her new neighbor, Oscar, mm. uh, where he then out and out tells a lie to the police. Uh, you know, he tells them that Jessica wasn't there, that he didn't see her. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, is it that he's nervous around the police or is it because uh, of something from his past or uh, the line of business that he's in? Or is it just, again, that kind of anti-Jessica element uh, whereby he's got something against uh, powered, super-powered individuals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm sure that's something that's going to come up in the next couple of episodes as well. But it is interesting that it does feel now like it is to do with Jessica and her powers. It feels like there's something there. Um, and obviously with the police, he seems to have some issue, but he's, he says it's because of the custody battle that he's going through uh, to keep his son. And that's the reason why uh, if he gets involved in this, if he gets involved in the police, gets involved in anything here, that this could affect the chances of keeping his son. So, um, so that's his reason that he gives in this episode, but it does feel like it's specifically targeted as Jessica here. Yeah. I'm getting the feeling that there, there's, as you guys have, said i'm not going to belabor the point there's more to this i get the feeling it's powers related be it the incident be it uh damage inc or something or he was a gang member that was stopped by a vigilante or something there's more to this story it could be as simple as he was a gang member caught by the cops doesn't want to be involved with the cops anymore it could be that simple 
But I mm-hmm. see, as you guys said, I think there's more a power-related piece here. So very mm-hmm. much something like custody battle because during the incident, the wife and the son were in the city center. He was off doing something else, blah, 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 blah. So Maybe. he blames super-powered people for his <laughs> divorce and losing, nearly losing his child. That's not over-speculate. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I'm saying all these speculatory things, and I know yeah. literally in the opening scene of episode three that they're going to just explain it. <laughs> okay, anything more on Oscar, gentlemen? No? Yeah, no. Okay, so let's jump on to case note number five. Uh, this is one I've been wanting to talk about for since, well, point one. Uh, the death of Will <laughs> Simpson. Sorry, the the return and the death, or the death and return of Will Simpson, a.k.a. Nuke, mm. a.k.a. Mr. I'm going to wear an American flag on my face. You might not be wearing it now. Well, you can still wear it, but just it would be backwards, you know. So you mean he's wearing the American flag on the other side of his face? Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. Well, no, actually, it would be the same face, just it would be pointing the wrong direction. Yeah. This is this is a pretty brutal um, death scene for our, our friend Will Simpson. Um from after season one. It's great that they brought him back for these two episodes and kind of raises the stakes almost. Um, if you kill off a character that went through most of your first season, uh, after their first appearance, like he only gets probably about five minutes in these, uh, in these two episodes, but, um, kind of interesting that they kill him off in this episode, especially after he tells Trish that he's been the one that's been following her and watching her and taking care of her and protecting her. And we kind of find it from Jessica here that that must be true because everybody connected to Trish that has known about IGH uh, through Jessica's research we find out has been killed other than her so it feels like he has protected her and he has saved her a few times over the past few months I'm hoping that this wasn't it I'm hoping that he will come back but I I don't know I don't okay (laughs) A it's comic books we've seen people come back from the dead in the Netflix universe anyway and Uh in the cinematic universe but that was a head twisting other way break kind of job so i'm a bit like "Mm, (laughs) not sure about this the reason i want him back more though is because i do like the actor will travel Mm -hmm. um i think he plays will simpson really well i think it's a character that we could have got a really nice redemption arc again right and where he it's the fall and this is the, the the return and redemption of him into Mm -hmm. a what we would consider a very much vigilante a punisher style vigilante um in terms of non well he is super powered in this but he says interestingly enough the inhaler just makes him kind of super strong doesn't make him bulletproof so i do see that he could be this just kind of midpoint between he's jessica's aide when she needs that extra bit of backup um so i did like i like that theory of having him there that being said, it's new beginnings, very much like the last episode. So mm-hmm. I feel that they are cleaning house a bit, um, where they can like just okay, he he's taken us from plot point A to plot point B. Um, he's answered some questions, yeah. But now he's just he, there's no need for him as a character unless they were going to make him more central to this plot. Yeah, yeah. I, but I do think it's interesting. Obviously, he's killed by. The monster, as Jessica has been calling out throughout the episode, uh, the one that leaps over Jessica's head and, and runs out at the end of the episode. What I think is interesting is that, as I mentioned, she called out that Simpson has been the one protecting Trish since the beginning. So not Jessica, not Trish herself, that these things, this monster or this creature or this freak has been following 
Trish for months and Simpson has been the one taking care of her and making sure. So what does that mean for Trish in future? When she gets into trouble, which she now will because nobody's there protecting her, um, what's going to happen? It'll be interesting to find out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really liked uh, this kind of resolution to to Will Simpson's character. And I, I'm glad it ended on like that kind of positive note between him and, and, and Trish. You know, mm. they, they were dating. He kind of lost the run of himself. And in fact, it was almost PTSD as well, you yeah. know back from the army trying to kind of maintain that kind of discipline through through the police force but then just really um falling into a bad situation and then getting caught up with Jessica Jones and Trisha's events with Kilgrave so i i thought this was really really good um and i'm really intrigued to see who or what this leaping monster is uh, maybe another hint that Jessica as well only leaps and, and doesn't fly. It seems, is it similar? Um, mm. <laughs> I couldn't resist Chris, but I would really like to think that it could be a woman as well. That, you know, there's this idea in, in terms of when you see the monster that possibly it's a man, but it would be really interesting to think that it is maybe not that masculine there's something here i'm Mm. just really intrigued to see you know once we we finally get to uh who this monster is so far we know about three monsters we know about jessica Mm -hmm. we know about the, the disfigured gentleman who was either trying to help her or attack her in the flashbacks and we know about the wizard disfigured person i will just stress that the moment yes as well well, we again. You're right. Disfigured person. Yeah. So we know about three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will being a an extension to a degree, but not really, because um, he's not really super powered. The, right. the the drugs give him. Okay. So we imagine that, right? So we know about three. We don't know what the the, the disfigured person's uh, power set is, but I think they're trying to make you believe that that person, that disfigured person, is yeah, this exactly. person leaping over. I don't think that's the case either. Right. I think this is a fourth person, and what mm. we're going to get is this, throughout this season, is a laundry list of six to eight to nine to ten patients who were in this IGH facility who were experimented on, and it's up to Jessica to avenge their deaths or find them or band them together like the Revengers or something like that. <laughs> I love that word. Um, No, I I agree. I think, you know, the disfigured person in the images, you know, has been shown. And it's interesting that they didn't show his or her face in in this particular scene. Yeah. Um, You know, hooded um, character leaping to to escape, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So... Again, it was interesting why Jessica didn't necessarily leap after him or her, um, cause she could. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's interesting. Again, the, the choice of when she uses her superpowers is an interesting one here. I'm not even sure it was about, it was about superpowers. Like I think obviously Will Simpson has just been, had his neck broken and is on the ground, has just told them that he's protecting Trish. Trish is left alone screaming if Jessica runs away, you know? So is Jessica just putting Trish before chasing after this person who's Maybe, already gone out yeah. the door? Um, we don't know whether 
whether the monster had super speed as well, just like the wizard had, but it seemed to get out there very, very quickly out of that, out of that place. So I don't know whether just the surprise of what was going on and the fact that they had to go and get Will Simpson's body, maybe that's the reason that stopped Jessica, but uh, I'm presuming she'll be investigating that in the next episode. Yeah, I just, although I would love to see the, the person jumping and Jessica just doing almost that basketball slap down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, that would be amazing. Because this is the one thing <laughs> we have seen. We get very a lot of off-screen power usage for Jessica. Yeah. Uh, aside from the bending of a bit of metal and just... So she'll bend metal and they'll make... So the chair, for example, in episode one. Or her just sitting on the ledge of a building and then jumping off. Mm-hmm. Or that we see her up at the top of a building looking at Price. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I really want to see is more of what we got towards the end, which is Jessica being a super-powered individual, like a Captain America style, like she's just pure lifting cars or flying, yeah. jumping. I don't care. I just want to see her do it. No, I agree, Chris. Like... I really want to see her laser eyes because, like, she's got them, hasn't she? You know what I mean. I think you're both going to be very, very disappointed. Uh, Netflix, if it's one thing it's shown us, is that they will do a few scenes of action in amongst their drama show because, really, they're trying to appeal to the biggest audience possible. Um, they've taken their inspiration from comic books, and you know, Jessica Jones of all of the comic books that are, these shows are based on is still the most grounded of all of them. It's based in in some very real life situations with the addition of Marvel comic book characters, obviously. Um, but I think this show will kind of steer clear of even the level of superpowers that we saw from Jessica Jones in the first season. I think if we're going to see some superpowers, it may be from the villains in the show uh, when we see them as as the show spins on for the next couple of episodes. Her special power really in this show is going to be her investigative tactics. I agree with you. I point you to evidence one in episode one of The Wizard running like Coyote from uh, Coyote versus Roadrunner, with just spinning his legs. If we, if we can get that special effects, we can get Jessica jumping or flying. I'm not saying we can't. I'm saying we most likely won't. Uh... <laughs> so don't be holding out hope for, for, uh, for The Flash on Netflix, uh, because we've seen one speedster on this episode. <laughs> and I'm really happy with that. I hope they focus on the story uh, rather than focusing on the special effects, to be honest, because <laughs> they, uh, they're they doing a good job in the first two episodes so far. Uh, boys, any notes about the episode? None from me, unfortunately. In this episode, I was too engrossed. <laughs> the only one that, that got me was just something we mentioned when we were talking about the trailer. Uh, we thought it was Rosie's bar that Jessica was sitting in having her three shots of whiskey from, unfortunately, a bottle we couldn't tell uh, for this episode. Yeah. I couldn't catch what bottle that was. Um, but we don't think this is Rosie's bar. It's just it's just named bar on the outside. We know Rosie's is the opposite way round. The window is on the uh, opposite side to where Jessica was sitting uh, in this bar because that's the window faces into the room where the pool table is um, when Foggy and, and Matt are playing pool back in Daredevil. So either they've used the set and they've just flipped the camera around, which is entirely possible, but it's not Rosie's. She's not in there, unfortunately. Um, that's also where she does have her dangerous encounter with uh, her encounter with a guy who says she's got a hot ass, um, which I thought was hilarious. Um thought it was just oh, a yeah. really funny moment because she looked it was either like, I'm going to have sex with this guy or I'm going to punch his head off um, in one of my wonderful, powerful punches. Um, I'm surprised it went that way. Absolutely. But. A bit of toilet sex from, from Jessica. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, in that bar, you, you not only get to see the lovely uh, toilet area 
uh, of that bar. But there is the reference to the dogs of hell, um, where there's a, a sign behind the bar that says no dogs allowed with a picture of a bike. I think uh, we picked that up also in the in the trailer. Nice. So yeah. A little Easter egg to the gangs of Daredevil. Possibly. Yes, we still think possibly. Yeah. No, I can attest that there are multiple dive bars in New York, around Hell's Kitchen, around Manhattan, <laughs> that you can find. Absolutely. You can throw a coin and most likely hit a dive bar. So, unfortunately, it's not Rosie's, but mm-hmm. uh, we can call this one Jesse's. How's that? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, another note, the other one we've been watching out for ever since episode one of Jessica Jones, where she lost the front door of Alias Investigations. It does seem like in season two, she's going to be smashing down a lot of doors. Uh, in episode one, we saw her take out Price's door by throwing him through it uh, in this episode we see her taking down dorothy's door uh, trisha's mother's door in order to get into her apartment so it looks like jessica's front door will stay safe if these episodes are to go by um possibly possibly but i like that episode one episode after another here we've gotten two different doors smashed or broken in somewhere else not in alias investigations possibly but yeah it's interesting because i do feel that we're getting kind of a quite long drawn out joke here with malcolm because at the end of defenders uh malcolm is repairing her wall Mm -hmm. with with some polyfiller and some plaster at the back when you still see those five or six patches that are still being unpainted which i think is really cool yeah and we're now seeing him move on to the new sort of open hatchway uh in in her apartment as well yeah and i have this feeling that he's going to spend an awful lot of time (laughs) being very meticulous really helping her out doing a really good job on it all and then something's going to get thrown through the wall yep. or, you know, there's going to be another uh, bit of chaos uh, that happens in Jessica's apartment, which leads to mass destruction yeah. of her apartment. Yeah, I do think that the that the showrunner and writer are, are kind of trolling us on the fact that Jessica's door hasn't been broken yet. Did you notice the comment from the cops as they arrived when one of the cops walks up to her front door and goes, I don't know what to do with doors like this inside a, a, a building. Is this a house or a business? I don't really know. And you know, in the past, obviously, even though it had been smashed and had been covered over with uh, with black pa- plastic bags or been repaired over and over again throughout the season, nobody ever questioned whether this was a business or not. Everybody knows that this is where Jessica Jones of Elias Investigation works. But I do think they're trolling us a little bit for that moment when her entire place gets trashed. Yeah, that's probably what I'm by thinking. Price. I'm 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 just waiting for it now, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. basically what will happen is, yeah. I'm going mass explosion or some form of devastation. She moves in with Trish. She ha- or I'm I'm done speculating. Good man. <laughs> I'm like there's so many ideas. I really wish I could be part of the writing staff, but they would do. <laughs> they are already have done ten times a better job than I could. There'd be too many tropes with you. Yeah, it would be like, I hate myself so much, but this is so easy. A man walks into a bar, a dog follows. Oh, wow, Chris, is that all you can come up with? Okay, well, tune in, ladies and gentlemen, for the next in the series of Marvel Netflix shows. The one man and his dog. (laughs) Uh, One final note from me. We see a booty call from Malcolm Ducasse in this episode. Did you see that moment where uh, where he's had has that conversation with Jessica at four a.m. He's still working in her office. Jessica's there on the phone to him, getting information from just after she's thrown the guy out of her 
her sex toilet uh, in the bar. And then she goes to him, you got to go home. And he gets a booty call and realizes he can take the day off tomorrow as well. This is going to be pretty good. And that's why he's then working with Trish, because he has the day off. But he's been sleeping with a woman with also bloody cool tattoos. The tattoos are so cool on her back that I'm wondering, will that come back in future again? It's another character yeah. that I'm going, is this a bad guy? Because we don't see her face. We don't see the body. All we see is her back with the cool tattoos on it. And then you're kind of going, yeah, but I've also seen that in normal uh, situation comedies and normal drama shows. You don't see a, a character just trying to set up the fact that Malcolm does have somebody that he's sleeping with and some and some relationship going on with this girl. Annette, I think her name is, from the text message that he gets. That's the thing. I mean, I think from season one, Kilgrave pervaded that apartment block so much with, with Malcolm, with the neighbours upstairs. Mm. He just permeated that apartment block. And, you know, already you've got Oscar and now you've got Malcolm and you're just thinking... Can you trust this person, Malcolm? Or are those tattoos a signifier that maybe IGH have got their evil claws into them and have done really cool tattoos on their body? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's a potential character. Good, good catch on the note. It's definitely, I think, every going to be a returning character because we saw her name, her face on the phone, mm-hmm. but then we didn't see her uh, interact with Malcolm. On now, it's going to be could be a big character. It could be a small returning, just to show that he, as you said, he has a life outside that he is trying to rebuild his life. So he's going yeah. on booty calls. That's or a- it could be nothing at all. Uh, just speculating again because of tattoos. You can tell I don't have tattoos. I just find them so intriguing and usually, uh, usually on bad guys. Chris, hey, hey, hey! <laughs> my tattoos are beautiful. So my mother says. <laughs> only joking. Only joking. Uh, that's it for my notes. Yep, that's definitely it. Chris, do you want to talk about what you thought about this episode? Do you defend Season 2, Episode 2, a.k.a. Freak Accident? I do. I'm borderline. Now, let me explain why. So, I've gotten my full two hours into this, right? Mm -hmm. I am interested. I want to know where it's going. It feels very slow. I think that's the best way I can describe it. I can see what they're trying to do. They are trying to potentially attract people who haven't watched episode or season one or the defenders. They're trying to get a lot of exposition in, but also trying to give people like us who are already invested in the universe, invested in the character enough to, that makes us want to continue on. That's why we got the shock moment at the end of episode one. That's why we got the shock moment at the end of episode two. Um, but some of it feels like f- filler. That filler, to me, is most likely what a, a new viewer will deem as exposition and understanding yeah. and background. So I understand why they are doing it. Do I mm. like it? No. Because I am that guy who's like, I'm already invested in the universe. You don't need to buy me. I'm here. <laughs> Just get, give me the new story. So... That is why I'm personally borderline. Is it a good story? Is Has everything so far been fantastic? Yes. Like, it is good, but it's because of that exposition, because of that filler. I want the story that they're putting in probably episode three and four in episode one and two. I want that, oh my God, we're back. Let's jump straight into the next investigation. It just feels a bit too slow. 
And I think that's the only negative I can put on it. But that negative is comes with a caveat is I know why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, defend episode one, defend episode two, with the caveat that everyone should understand it is quite slow. John, I do defend Jessica Jones season two, episode two, aka Freak Accident. Yes, I do defend this episode of Jessica Jones. I give this three mongies out of five. Mm. Without sounding too much like a reverse Louis Walsh, I liked it, but I didn't love it. There's many elements here that I, I kind of really liked. I, I, I was good to see sort of that resolution to Will Simpson. I actually really did like, um, Jerry going crazy back in her apartment. I really liked that to see that kind of side of her dealing with whatever has been told, um, to her by her doctor. Um, I thought was really good. I had a nice little window into, to Jerry's private life, you know, now that she's on her own. For Will Simpson, it's, it's really good that he wasn't the monster like everyone thought, um, he was going to be, uh, from Jessica, uh, through to, to Trisha. Uh, and it was good to see, um, him really stand up for, for Trish here, be her protector, you know, that kind of link back to, uh, season one that he, he hasn't turned out all badly, uh, from his experiences. So I, I kind of really like that. I love the little reference and, and sideline back into Wizard's apartment and the mongoose. It really, um, I really did like it. I think, as Chris said, for me, the pacing just really was quite slow on this and, in in some cases, I didn't really invest in what Trish or Jessica were doing so much, actually, particularly Trish. Jessica, more so, you know, I, I, I like where that's coming from Um, in, in terms of finding out her past. It's not that I'm against that in any way. I, I think I just kind of lost that investment a little in this episode because of how slow it went. Um, And so... But I still think it's a really solid episode. You know, I, I, I think the Marvel Netflix stuff scores highly. I, I think I've always defended them. I may be a couple where I haven't defended them. Um, and I think this is again, this is a really good episode. But I think, you know, when you begin comparing it to the previous episode, um, and, and to other Defenders series, uh, you know, I kind of just wanted a little bit more speed to this. And at, at the moment as well, I've kind of lost on Oscar, the new neighbor. I'm like, don't really get what his deal is. So I hope they explain that as well. But yeah, I do defend this episode of Jessica Jones. And I think there's a lot of good stuff uh, in this episode to really get your hooks into. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So, Derek, do you defend episode two, a.k.a. Freak Accident of Jessica Jones? I do defend this episode. Like you guys, I do understand that it does feel a little bit slower, but probably different to you guys because that's absolutely the kind of speed I need Jessica Jones to go at. We're only two episodes into a 13-episode series. There's lots and lots of stuff to put these characters in their positions for the series. I'm not that kind of guy that needs 30 minutes of action, 30 minutes of drama. Um, I can absolutely sit back and watch these characters just interact. I think I said that during, uh, during Defenders. I'd love if they'd slowed down a couple of times and allowed Malcolm and Trish and Jessica to interact together a bit more because it felt like it was going at breakneck speed and we ended off finishing a series in eight episodes going, 
that was all action with nothing really going on with the background characters. So it's great that we're getting that in this show. After the first episode and this episode, we now does feel like much more of an ensemble show than last season of Jessica Jones, which was much more about her relationship with Kilgrave. And this episode, again, feels like Trish is starting to step up into that position of investigating and pushing Jessica. That's what it kind of feels like to me. So I think it's an important episode to have. Um, I do defend it, but I, I definitely take on board and definitely agree with you guys that it's a slower episode than uh, the first episode was. So hopefully lots more good stuff coming in the rest of the season. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that wraps up our defend. And of course, because we're recording in advance of the release of Jessica Jones on the 8th of March, then of course, we don't have any feedback for this episode. Remember, though, when you start binge watching or going along at our pace or going along at any pace that you want to, you can send in voicemails through our website at Defenders TV Podcast. You can email us over at feedback at Defenders TV Podcast.com or come on over and join our Facebook group. Head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV Podcast and leave any of your thoughts in within our spoiler-filled comment posts for each of the episodes. And, of course, we are on Twitter at DefendersCast, so you can always uh, send in some thoughts on Twitter as well. And, importantly, uh, please share the love, head on over and subscribe to the podcast at any drunk or sober podcast catcher, either Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Please rate us and leave a review um it is great to share the podcast yes and please if you can on our ongoing segment of where i am asking you our fellow defenders to tell your sisters or even not your sister any anyone who is a sister all about jessica jones and more importantly all about defenders tv podcast and because it is the one true source of everything jessica jones so do me a solid Go tell a sister all about us. And do you know what? Send me proof. Get them to come on over to facebook.com forward slash group forward slash Defenders TV podcast and say, I am a sister and I was sent here by a fellow defender. We are just going to have a load of nuns joining us, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> That'd could be do. hilarious. Hey. That'd be Matt Murdock's mother and all of her friends will be listening into our podcast. That'd be great. We'll have the Jesuit nuns to join us over on... <laughs> defenders tv podcast thank you so much for joining us everybody for this episode uh, we'll be back next week we're going to be doing our episodes hopefully on tuesday and friday of each week and uh, we'll be back with episode three of season two of jessica jones aka soul survivor next week uh, we should also have our doctor strange damnation uh, episode two for our podcast out uh, next week as well uh, loads and loads of podcasts to listen to hope you've been enjoying jessica jones and hope you've been enjoying listening to defenders tv podcast as well Yes, thank you so much. Go tell your sisters, and we'll see you on the next episode. Yes, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm off to do God only knows on Jerry's uh, dining room table. Uh, but when I'm back, after that, we'll be back to speak with you again soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>